We all need geese, rush cards, and a bunch of gear to train jiu-jitsu. Here at Roll Academy, we've been using Fuji Sports for a very, very long time. But more importantly, they've been sponsoring the Roll Radio podcast for over a year at this point. Um, Gary? Yeah, I'm checking out the website right now. Anything you could possibly need. But the new stuff, this American Grappler stuff, is amazing. It's so slick looking. Uh, rash cards, shorts, uh, really cool giant eagle on it it is nice and then on the opposite end of the spectrum they've got the uh bmns happy nogi lineup uh so as you're getting choked out you're looking up at the nice smiley face emoji anything you could possibly need you can find at fujisports.com you have questions i have answers i started a brand new podcast just recently that's available on all podcast platforms and YouTube. It's called Ask a Black Belt. Very simple. You drop me questions, I answer them. Very simple. Five, six minutes. Gary, have you heard it? I have heard it, and uh, I really appreciate it. How do those uh, questions get to you? Well, listen, you can message me on Instagram. That's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me, but you can also comment on any post that I make, and I try to genuinely answer the questions as fast as I can, and they get posted three times a week as it is right now. Beautiful. Ask a Black Belt. Check it out on your favorite podcast platform. What's up, everyone? If you are a regular listener, you already know the deal. Please remember to hit the like, share, download, listen, subscribe, and whatever other button there is, and leave us a review wherever you listen. That ensures that we can continue bringing you the great guests and amazing content you have come to expect. Today's guest, Felicia O, oh, has the distinction of being one of the first women outside of Brazil to receive a Black Belt, which she received from the legend Jean-Jacques Machado. Felicia is also a World's Masters champion, Pan-American Gi and No-Gi champion, and U.S. Open champion. Listen as Felicia opens up about her unusual introduction to jiu-jitsu, overcoming major setbacks, illnesses, and injuries, and why you need to embrace the grinding nature and struggle of jiu-jitsu in order to be in it for the long haul. Here's the Roll Radio with artist, martial artist, instructor, teacher, and the sixth female to receive a black belt outside of Brazil, Felicia O. Oh. Welcome to Roll Radio. And we are live. Gary, how are you, sir? I'm good. I've got my glasses today. I don't know if anybody listened to the last episode. I didn't have my glasses. I couldn't take notes. I couldn't read anything. It Does that mean you're going to be pressing the right buttons this time? Uh, the red one is lit up. Uh, <laughs> everything is where it needs to be, so I think we'll be okay. Okay. Well, sounds good. Yes. Yeah. Um, did you hear that there was quite a bit of controversy in regards to my question Ask black. Oh question. yes, yeah, it's, yeah. It, uh, it, well, we should ask our guest today too about this. Do you turn your back when you tie your belt to your black? Belt? Yeah. So, it, it, uh, first of all, Felicia, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Um, we're gonna Thanks jump. We, we'll jump right into this. You know, I have another podcast, very small one actually, but I just I answer questions that students all around everywhere kind of ask in general. And one of the questions that arise was, do you turn away from the instructor when you tie the belt? It, it, you know, some academies do it in a very old school way. And I, and I posted kind of, it wasn't even an answer, but I posted essentially kind of a pr different perspectives and, and where this is sourcing. And there was a lot of people who didn't like it. I was, I was <laughs> quite surprised people. actually. So I, I'm curious what you think. Is that, is that oh, considered wait, old school? What, what didn't they like? They didn't like the question or they didn't like the answers? <laughs> I, I, you know what? It's hard to tell. There was a lot of, you know, there were some people who, who said, yeah, we do this in my academy. We turn away from the instructor to sign of respect. And and uh, there was few of those, but a lot of them were like, you know, are we in 21st century? What is this? You know, I, you know, who are we really talking about? Yeah, this? Is this really this serious? You know, I don't know. And I, I know typically people are more negative when they express their opinions, but it was it was quite surprising. I don't know. <laughs> what, what the history of that? I think I, I I don't know if I'm correct, but my understanding is like the history is from more like judo and other mm -hmm. martial arts, where you turn away and it's more of a um, uh, not so much respect to someone, but it's like a modesty thing. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Like you're. I don't know. It's like similar in like bowing into the mat or bowing into the photos of the founders of jujitsu. It's one of those. That's just a tradition. Unwritten tradition. Yeah, right. I think so, right? 
Um, I haven't noticed um, any of my instructors do that. Yeah, I, I mean, we don't do it here. We don't do it here either. I don't but know. but it, you know, I know some do. I know I know some do. Anyhow, anyhow, we got. <laughs> I got all flustered about this. But He's anyway. upset because everybody didn't see the same thing the same way he did. He gets very flustered. You can uh, see it right. It now. is what it is. It is what it is. Well, I, I think it's funny. You know, when I came into jujitsu, I wasn't like the. I'm jumping ahead of you guys. I wasn't the first generation coming in, but I've noticed in more recent days, like some people will say things like they will refer to jujitsu traditions. And, um, you know, I'm a student of Jean-Jacques Machado's who um, is pretty much um, the source, the spigot, yeah. you know, like fucking yeah. pure water and stuff. Like he grew up in the family. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, at his academy, there a lot of those traditions of jujitsu that newer people talk about. It's like mm, that that didn't that doesn't exist, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's like they're almost projecting it on from other martial arts, or they come in and because their academy does it, they think that's the tradition of jujitsu. And I'm not knocking it. You can do whatever you want, but right. it's like, well, I, I think I'm more connected to the, you know. Do you think that's part of the evolution of jiu-jitsu that's been taking place over the last few decades? I mean, it's just like the techniques and the concepts and jiu-jitsu itself evolves on the mat. Some of those traditions, quote-unquote, you know, continue evolving. I mean, you know, a decade or two decades ago, nobody thought about having no-gi academies, purely no-gi, a rewarding belt. So, you know, and, and there are some, and again, I'm not criticizing them, but that didn't exist two decades ago. It didn't, right? right? right. Is, do you think that's part of the evolution of jiu-jitsu and kind of the freedom, especially in this country where people adopt different things and continue growing it? Absolutely, and I have no problem with that. My My comment was just that people will say, oh, this is the tradition. It's like, no, it's not, you know, like, I'm not saying that it shouldn't evolve at all. It, absolutely. It should evolve. And I came up through the whole gi, no gi thing. I mean, I was kind of right. in the center of all that with right. Eddie Bravo, you know, absolutely. like it, it was this major thing and heresy and all this craziness, you know, now it's like no big deal. Now we have tons of no gi guys that don't do gi and vice versa and people that do both like always, you know? Yeah, no, oh, and I, yeah, absolutely. How did this all start for you? Where, where, what? It, it, you have such an interesting story, and uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it's some up and downs, and and but it creates a very interesting path, if you will. Yeah, I had actually no interest in martial arts, fighting, or anything of that sort. Although I did grow up in Seattle, so the most famous, well you know, historically most famous martial artist was buried a couple blocks from my high school, Bruce Lee. Um, so I grew up aware of that, but I never did any martial arts. My dad did Aikido and I didn't. And, um, I remember in 19, what, around 95 or whatever on the news, I heard about this crazy thing where, uh, people were locked in a cage and fighting to the death. And, and I was like, that's crazy. Who would do that? That's insane. Little did I know that a few years later it would be as this major part of my life? Um, I, I was living in LA. I had gone through graduate school, uh, you know, to art school, graduate school in art and um, was working in Hollywood and graphics. And uh, I was rock climbing and became friends with some people rock climbing. And um, I ended up doing uh, the LA marathon, which was a, a nightmare that year. Um, and then later that year, I went on a hike, hiking trip up to Mount Whitney with um, one of the women that I rock climbed with. And uh, her husband was telling me about Brazilian jujitsu and it was, um, you know, technique over size and strength. And I had no interest in martial arts, no interest in anything he was talking about. And we went up and we get up to the little motel and he starts showing me the positions on the bed. And I think it's a little weird. Um, and I don't really know him. I mean, I, I think I might've met him once before and we're on this trip and, and she's just laughing and not jumping in. Uh, and he's showing me the mount and the guard on the bed. And I'm kind of a little awkward, but then, you know, it doesn't really go beyond that. And then I was like, okay. And then we go on the hiking trip and it becomes a nightmare. Snow came in and this was in, um, 
the end of October 2000. And it was the last weekend that they allowed people up there. And of course, that was why, because storms come in and we, we got one of those. And then uh, we thought we were going to die. And so as we were driving off the mountain, I was like thinking about how the year hadn't gone so well with all this outdoor activity, because when I did the marathon, it also was like lightning, thundering and raining and 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 all the the drains in L.A. like they back up back in the day and, and you were running through like a foot of water of rain. So I was like, mm, maybe, maybe I need to go indoors. And, and what was that thing you were talking about? And let me come check that out. And then uh, we came back the next week. I went and checked out the class. The next day I signed up and started, started training. Was that at Jean-Jacques? Yeah. As it was, as it right off the bat. Well, nice. So yeah. obviously you are not from, at that point of time, you're not familiar with jujitsu. You, you, you have this one experience in the hotel room, whatever that is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're kind of breaching into this completely unknown Walking into that academy, what are your expectations? Um, I, I don't think I really had any. You know, I'm pretty. Um, I think I just kind of okay. Let's go see what this is, and I trusted my friend's husband, right? And I was like, okay, that looks interesting. I, I mean, I, I don't. I think there are a lot of things that I've done in my life where I didn't. Like, I'm very cautious about certain things, you know, and and I'm not. Um, reckless in my life, I don't think. Um, but I also don't think too far in advance on certain things. Like I, you know, I remember filling out the application form when I came in, you know, and you fill out everything and it's like, do you want to get a black belt? And I'm like, well, of course, like, isn't that <laughs> the point everybody? of doing martial arts? How, like how everybody long, else, I had no right. idea. How long does it take? Is it a month or two? <laughs> right? I mean, uh, I, I mean, that, that, that didn't even cross my mind. I right. was just like, yes. And then I just started coming. So, so I never thought about where it was going or leading to, or um, it was just something I started doing. And then um, I started, I would just go twice a week. And I know I've had this conversation with a lot of people that start jujitsu you know, like they go home after work, they sit down and then they never get back up or they don't go because they don't feel like it. I, to me, I signed up, I paid for it. So I figured out which days I wanted to go in my schedule. And then to me, it was a class that, I mean, if I'm paying for it, I'm going to go. Why would I not? And I never went because I didn't feel like it. I felt, I just took it like any other class I would take, not a gym membership where you just randomly went. It was like school. So it was just part of my schedule. And I always tell people now, like, if you have to go to your job or whatever, don't go home. Cause once you sit down and after you go home, you're not going to get up. So keep all your stuff in your car, bring a snack, whatever you need and do emails, play games. I mean, we all sit on our phones. So just go to the parking lot, sit there outside the Academy for an hour, whatever time you have, have your snack and then just go to go and train. And, you know, to me, it was just never, do I feel like going? It's more like, it's well, part it's, of the routine. Going to yeah. Yeah, and th and that's the hard part. You mentioned in this, and we we talk about this very frequently, sure. right? They, like, there's always a reason not to train. Yeah, right. There's always a reason. We, you can find millions of them every single day, and overcoming some of these mental blocks, if you will, um, obstacles to get to the training. Sometimes it's hard for some some individuals. Even though the moment they they get in the door, the moment they step onto the mat, is like a different world opens up. Mm -hmm. Smiles friends you 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 get stimulated physically mentally a whole nine yards getting to the academy is so hard why do you think that's happening why why do you think it's so hard to get to that freaking door i i don't know i didn't have that issue i was always excited to go that doesn't mean i didn't have anxiety i had anxiety like everybody else mm -hmm. but i don't mm -hmm. think i let that get very loud in my head I had more anxiety once class started and they were teaching a technique and I was like, who am I going to work with? Who am I going to work with? And then I would try to find, you know, a, a, a friendly person that I knew that I'd worked with before. And then I would kind of scoot closer to that person. Was, so then when was, I would be right next to that person. Was that because of the size or, or gender? Why, why was that concern there for you? Um, I, you know, I think you could probably say size, gender, all those things, but I think, I was just um, a ner I am just a neurotic 
person. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I think just being new, I mean, I, I, I didn't, I, I think I was more aware of size. And then I also, um, you know, probably gender. I mean, I, I definitely am attuned. I think having worked in male dominated environments for most of my life, um, you know, you can sense who's more open and who's less open to you. And I have friends now that I don't train with that I'm great friends with for years, but I still don't roll with them because for whatever reason, like they don't find anything useful. They don't know how to just move and work technique. That's fine. I mean, I, re- I, I respect what they come to the sport for and what they come into that room for. And, and we're great friends and we catch up and, and that's fine. I just don't roll with them. And, and I respect that, you know, so everyone has to find their own way. There are definitely people that I maybe rolled with in the past that were not so open to it, but over time have changed and become great, great training partners. Right. And that's, that, that's the long game and the beauty that I find in it where you can help people to be good partners, you know, like the journey they go on from being a white belt to even just a blue belt or a purple belt, you know, it's like, they they can't help but, but be a, a a white belt, you know, because that's that is what they are. They can't help but be a spaz, you know. And even right. with like, oh, I'm just, like they, they start becoming aware of it. And then sometimes, you know, you'll see them. They get to blue belt and they're dealing with a new white belt, and they go, "Oh my gosh, is that what I was like?" Kind of like <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what you were like. <laughs> but but I also like equate it to life, you know, like when you're born you don't know how to go use a toilet. I mean, it's like when you're six months old, no one's expecting you to go drive yourself to work. You have to be what you are at that time and live the experience. And that experience is what helps you grow. So you can't fault someone for being like a spazzy white belt. That's just what they are. You know, babies cry and they need to be taken care of. You don't go, you couldn't take care of yourself when you were six months old and go out and earn a living. Like what is wrong with you? You know, I resent you for that. You know, it's like, Oh yeah, I expected more from you. Um, so, so, so many, so many times, you know, it's like, I, I do equate it, you know, like blue belts, you know, maybe you're a two year old or a three year old and purple belts, maybe you're a 10 year old brown belts. Maybe you're 17, 18 and black belts. Maybe you're like an adult. And then a 21-year-old adult is different than a 45-year adult or a 60-year adult, right? So there's, as they say, levels to that, right? And you can't expect people to be more than they are until they have the experience and then they learn. Is it? But what's cool is that you can be part of that influence on that journey for other people and you can mold them and help them to show them a, a way that they might not have found by themselves. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Is it our responsibility? People who've been around for a little while to, to point those things out to them. Um, or is it their responsibility to figure it out on their own? Is it, is it both of us? Is it ever, you know what I mean? Are we supposed to come together to help them through that? I found that it naturally kind of happens on both sides. I find that as people, rise up in the ranks, they want to help the other people, right? It's something, and you know, you'll see blue belts. I mean, almost to the point of where it's crazy. You like a guy that just got his blue belt and he's like trying to teach everybody, you know, it's like, like they, something about jujitsu wants get want, like it makes you want to share because you've discovered the secret, you know, every day you go in, you, you've discovered something, you know, you're a blue belt and you're like, I, I figured it out. Like I had to share the world and I want to share with these people. So I think it just comes with the process. I don't know. And, and that in turn helps those other people come up. Right. Yeah. And that's, and I think go ahead. as people are coming up, I, I think they, again, it's just like people like, like they start becoming self-aware, generally speaking, like there's a few that don't, but they start as they're going through the belts, like they start becoming self-aware. And so whether that's as a blue belt going, oh my gosh, was I a spazzy white belt or like as a purple brown or even black belt, like wanting to teach and help bring those other people up, you know, like you become aware of your responsibility or your place in your academy, whether that's following or leading or helping 
keep things in balance. And there's the other factor of, of really making a progression with the skill too. I mean, as we go through this white, blue, purple stages, we discover fairly quickly that being physical and smashing people, even though might bring this instant satisfaction, is very ineffective in a sense yeah. where people can... How many times we find ourselves in a position when we train with somebody who is half of our size and they manipulate us like like we are ragdoll? I mean, that that's very eye-opening and very humbling experience, right? And everybody at some point goes through that. Um, and, and then we are on the other side of that experience when when somebody else is smashing us and we are able to actually manipulate that situation to our advantage. And it's this long journey of experiences. I think it goes back to what you were saying about the evolution of the sport um, in that where we are now, it's an environment where people twice my size, men twice my size have no issue asking me, I need help. Can you help me with this problem? Or I'm getting stuck here. What do you do? Where I think in the past, you know, maybe 20 years ago, like they wouldn't come to me. They wouldn't go to a small female and ask a technical question. Well, yeah, because, and, I mean, how would you know? I mean, right? I mean, I'm just saying, quotes. No, no, I mean, even <laughs> if I was a black belt, I said, I, I mean, just the environment is very different yeah, now. Right. Where that now, like, people understand. And so, yeah, like, six foot five brown belts or purple belts or whatever will come to me and say, like, how do I do this? Or they'll roll with me and they, they understand how to roll with me now, you know? And well, I, I think in the past that might not have happened so, so readily. Well, do you think that's part of that evolution that, that we talked about Because I mean, what, 20 years ago, there was not many female black belts. I mean, probably yeah. we could count them on our fingers, right? I mean, that, that that's, and that's probably around the world. There was not that many of them, let alone yeah. this, this country today. It's but one jujitsu is more accessible any major or probably any decent city there 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 is at least one academy right plus there is by far more females plus that we have more variety of black belt skill sets everything is accessible on our phones we can have amazing conversations like this one so there's many avenues to stimulate our minds from a jujitsu perspective i'm not only talking about the technique itself right the topic of conversation just evolves and continues um it gives us the access to continue kind of growing this, right? Am I, am I on the right track? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think it just keeps opening up more and more. So it's not like I have to find the biggest, toughest black belt to ask this question of, right. you know? Yeah, I, well, I think it's also changed that way. We've evolved a little bit and hopefully in, in our regular society too, where I think that that evolution hopefully has pushed the evolution of jujitsu as well so that people aren't... Um, I would say a six foot five male isn't intimidated to go ask a five foot two female for advice or help or, you know, a technical question. I think we've evolved, hopefully, uh, inside and outside the academy. Do you have a lot of students who are twice your size asking you for opinion? Technical? Um, I have a group of um, my little country that will sneak over and ask me questions, you know, toward the end of class. I mean, I, I, I don't teach. I teach privates and seminars, but I am a student at John Jack's. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's like after you spend time, you guys know, you have, after you spend time on the mat with people and then you roll with them and then they're like, wait, like, how are you doing that? Like, the only way I can do anything to you is if I completely smash you and use my strength on you. And, and, and you know, doing that when they need to is fine. Um, but everyone's always helping everyone else. You know, I think um, that that for me, that it's always kind of been that way, even when at the beginning you didn't necessarily have Jean-Jacques or maybe a black belt helping you. But it's like that trickle down of information where everyone else in the academy and, and, and granted, there was a lot less social media and resources. So more of the information was coming from the academy. But you know, I feel like everything that I've learned or all, all that information came from Jean-Jacques, but especially earlier on, a lot of that came through other people through him, uh, from him, you know. We talked quite a bit so far about these differences in size and gender and so on. Do you think that even though all this is very accessible, do you think that 
there is still hesitance to train between the genders, between fa- male and female. Do, do, do you see that frequently around the academies around the world? Well, I, I don't, I mean, I pretty much train at Jean-Jacques most of the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I haven't, I mean, I'm planning to hopefully go train around a little bit more. I think in the past for me, I have not, I've been hesitant to go to other places as I was coming up. Um, sometimes I I'd had the experience of going to an academy and everyone was huge. And this was, you know, years ago mm-hmm. and, and I didn't feel that safe you know, because I wasn't maybe a black belt or I was after I was a black belt, but there wasn't as much um, information and growth in the sport. And so going to random academies was not always something I felt comfortable with. I think the way the world is now, it's way more comfortable. There's way more women. There's way more appreciation of women and understanding of training. It's not just women. It's like people of all ages, you know, it's like the whole, sorry to plug it, roll forever, um, where everybody, there's there's space for everybody to be on that mat. And it may not be at every academy. And so it's like finding the right place to go where there is um, space for you to roll and respect and gratitude for that, right? And and that exists in everywhere now in a, in a much broader way than it used to. So I do hope as our world opens back up, I do hope to travel and visit a lot more places. So let me spin that question slightly differently. Okay. Based on your experience, based on your experience, 20 years on the mat, what would you say to a female who wants to try jiu-jitsu, who wants to get on the mat, but she has concerns about size, number one, I mean, that's the obvious one, but also the gender differences that we have to step into well male dominated sport Let, let's just let's just say what it is the odds the percentage yeah. split between male and female on the mat averages i don't know one to 20 probably in the average academy right so w- w- what are your thoughts how do they do research how, how are they smart about this how do they select you know should they even do it so so i would say um it's not specific to women I would say anybody who was going to go into the sport of jujitsu, they do the research. They go visit as many academies as they can that are near them, that are feasible. And I think the key is to find the right fit for you, regardless, you know, whether you're maybe you're a 50 year old man, maybe you're a 20 year old guy who just finished up you know, a wrestling career, you have to find the appropriate fit for you. So that 20 year old doesn't want to, doesn't probably want to go to the family academy down the street. He probably wants to go to the competitive academy down the street, the other direction. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's really about finding the right fit for you. If you have concerns about your size or your gender, then look and find the places that are open to that, that may have a women's program, if that makes you feel more comfortable, or that may have a different intro class for you, or whatever it is. Um, I think, I feel that there's so much to be gained from this, but I mean, obviously I'm biased to jujitsu, right? <laughs> like, like I think it's changed. I, 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 it has completely changed my life, right? Like my life today is completely nothing I would have ever imagined. But I think what's really important, I think what's really important about your story is that you didn't have interest to go to the Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> yeah. you, it was complete. I mean, if as I'm listening yeah. to you as the research we've done, it, it, it was a set of a set of accidents really that led you onto the mat. And I think that is the key because there was many females out there who want to try it, but they are hesitant. So there is the willingness to actually make that first step, right? In your case, it was like, well, okay, it was snowing, we were stuck, whatever, you know, all these things happened, you know, this guy showed me things on the bed, whatever, and then, you know, I'll trust him because he's friend of my, you know, friend of mine, and I'm going to lead and see what happens. And I did ask you, what are your expectations? And you said to yourself, I had none. I was just kind of going with it. Right. So that's a very different approach. Your life changed because of the circumstances you were around. 
But I'm more curious even about the women who want to do it, but they are hesitant. And that is what was interesting about your answer, that do research. And I say this all the time, even people who come to my academy um, who are trying classes or trying to figure this out, we always say, go and go, go and see other places. Like, I, we do jujitsu here, but I don't claim to be the best, and I don't claim that our academy will fit you the best. It's a two-way street. As, I'm, as I am interviewing you as a student, you should be even interviewing us as an academy, as an instructor, as a staff. Like, I mean. Oh, even the community. Or even community, you know. Her culture is what, what I meant. Not community, but the culture, culture that's right. at your academy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is exactly. You completely just hit it right. Because, you know, like it, no one's going to be happy if it's a bad fit, right? If mm -hmm. you go to an academy and it's, it's not your tribe, you know, like you, and then you're going to be wanting it to be something. It's like in a relationship, you want it to be something else. They want it to be so, you to be something else mm -hmm. and no one's happy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you're with the wrong person, then yep. you need to break up and go find the right person. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, find the place where you feel comfortable, where you feel your tribe, where, whether that's age, size, attitude, whatever it is. Um, I think it's, and I think there's enough information out there, you know, to research and to go have those experiences, like see what it's like, see what the people are like, talk to the people there. Do you feel comfortable with those people? No. Okay. Maybe try another place. Yeah. And life is good. I mean, as long as we continue, continue exploring. <laughs> like why stay in a bad relationship if it's not working for either of you? Well, well said. I agree. But many, but listen, many do. Many, many stay in a better relationship. Many stay at the well, academy that don't work women for stay them. In, many abuse with men and women and men, many people stay in bad relationships. Yeah. Yeah, for right? sure. Um, when did you think it, it, when did you fall in love with it? When did it change from uh, something I'm going to try, something that I'm interested in to this is, this is for me. I'm this hooked. isn't right. It's not the marathon. It's not the, the rock climbing. It's not the gymnastics anymore. It's jujitsu hundred percent. Oh, it's just so weird because it just slowly takes over. Yeah. <laughs> there was never, there was never a, po a point where I was like, this is it, you know, like yeah. it was just so gradual. And then I just started adjusting my life around jujitsu, whether that was, I remember sitting one day in the parking lot before class and, you know, I, I it took me a long time to become a Lakers fan because I grew up in Seattle, right? Sure. And then I started watching all the Lakers games. And then I was like <laughs> recording them on TiVo at the time. And I remember sitting there and I had so many games backed up on my TiVo. Right. And then I started only watching the last two minutes and then realizing, you know what, like, like part of the beauty of basketball is watching the drama unfold over the four quarters of the game. Right. And I'm missing that by just watching the last two minutes. And then I had to make the decision. I sat there and I thought I have to, give up watching basketball. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to do jujitsu, I got to give up basketball. So I was like, okay. So I just, uh, I did, you know, I just stopped watching basketball and, and, and like I said, like, it was just so gradual. It was just a piece at a time that kept, so there was never this one grand moment. It was just like, Oh, okay. And then, uh, yeah, I, you know, when I would work as a freelancer, it was like, okay, these days I, you know, I'm working and then I go back to train and these days I'm working, I go back to train. How do I adjust my schedule around here? Oh, now I'm going to start teaching college. And then, okay, if I schedule my classes these days, I can train these days. And then slowly then, oh, now I'm advising instead of teaching as much, I can stack all these. And that is near R1 and I can go train wrestling over there <laughs> on that same day, you know, like, like, but that's over the course of like, like five or six years, uh -huh. right? Like yeah. that your glacier. life just starts adjusting itself. And then I won the North American trials in 2006 for Abu Dhabi. And I was teaching at the time. And I remember uh, winter break happens mm -hmm. and I realized I, I, I I'm going to, I need to quit my teaching job so I can just focus for the next couple months to get ready for ADCC. And that was when I left teaching. Um, wow. 
graphics in college. So that, that was kind of more of a definitive step right there. But that was like getting ready for ADCC, right? So yeah. <laughs> it was pretty far down. But it, what was interesting here is essentially you're saying the moment we start molding the life around jujitsu, we should consider that we are hooked. Like it's just happened. Yeah, for you people, the people who haven't who haven't uh, made that transition. But yet. here, here's a funny, funny, interesting story. Is the other day we had a visitor coming to the academy, and and you know one of the first things he says he was like, I just want to seek part of the class, and I have to leave in about 10, 15 minutes. He said, you know, and then class goes on, you go, and I'm teaching, <laughs> you know, and he's still there. Fifteen minutes later, you know, I'm looking. Okay, we chit chat here and there, you know. The full class passes by. He's still sitting there, you yeah. know. I was like, I thought you were leaving in fifteen minutes. I was like. I can't. I'm I'm just hooked. This is yeah, crazy. right off the bat. He's like, maybe I should call my Uber now. <laughs> it was um, fun. It's funny. It's it's very you know refreshing to see that that it's so stimulating. And he wasn't even on the mat. He was just sitting off the mat watching the class. So it is. It's just mind blowing to me that it you know that that level of engagement can really take place. Without you being hands on, this is just watching and stimulating yourself. Yeah, I, I think there's also uh, not to be a downer, but there's the other side where sometimes people come to the sport really gung ho and actually really talented. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think this happens with anything in life. And once it starts getting harder and once it becomes a struggle and the pain, um, sometimes it's hard for them to stay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, every, I think everyone sees the story, you know, like a guy comes in and brings his buddy. The guy that's all excited to come in is the one that quits and the buddy who didn't want to come and that was just going to help him. And, you know, like, okay, I'll, fi- I'll go with you. They're the ones that end up staying and becoming the black belt 10 years later, right? Um, I, I, I think the interesting on, of jujitsu, it's like, it's pretty much based on failure, right? Like, it, it, it's it's based based on adversity and failure and it's painful and it's difficult and it's a struggle. It's a constant struggle. Um, and if you're not okay and comfortable with that, then it's, it's a hard, it's hard to stay. But that's also, I, I want to flip this to the other side. That's, that's also the beauty of this, right? Yes. I mean, we do struggle all the time. We constantly troubleshoot, constantly solve problems. We can, you know, we were talking to Kenny Florian um, this week, and, and one of the things, you know, I asked is, is this more physically or mentally stimulating? You know, and, and I, I don't know. It's hard to answer that one because it it is very mind-stimulating. Like, we have to think constantly. And some people, you're right, some people find struggle challenging, and they take breaks and they quit. But others, I think that's a motivator point, too. And that, I think that was my point. You know, it's like, if you're not going to, as they say, embrace the grind, embrace mm-hmm. the suck and constantly feel that struggle. Well, for a, for a while, for a long while, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> constantly for a long while, um, that will, that, that is, that is difficult for you to, to, to hang in there. Right. And, and I, I think, I think that it that is what a lot of people find is the hook, right? That's what that's that's the heroine of it, right? That it is something we're chasing in that same way. It's very elusive and difficult and sometimes you have these breakthroughs and you have these moments and then right away they're gone. You're like I got it. Oh my gosh. Like I understand it. And then the next day you go to class and you get your ass smashed and then you're like, Oh man. Like, and and then you're back at the bottom again and you're like, Oh no. And um, if you're not, if your makeup, your psychology, your mindset, your personality, if you can't maintain through that and struggle through that and feel the um, feel the beauty of that struggle then it's hard to stay in the sport yeah do you think it's also maybe people have lofty expectations or it's like like you said you have you think you have that breakthrough and now i'm going to be this other thing right and then you get smashed where you should be more of 
I didn't get smashed as much today. I got tapped a little less. I did better against uh, Mike, who usually taps me out six times. You know, I made it four today, or now a seven-minute round is easier than I thought it was. If you lower those expectations, I think that struggle is even less. Where it's like you, you see, you can, you can see yourself making those steps rather than giant leaps. I guess is is the way I'm looking at it. And if people come into it with that and that attitude, maybe that struggle's not so hard. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think part of it too is just showing up and being there, and it's not um, so. It's not always so goal oriented and checklisting, you know, or else mm-hmm. it would be, then I should be able to do these moves and get my black belt. I think it literally, by the time you get your black belt, it's something that just goes, part of that has just absorbed into your body, into your cells, into your psyche, you know? Um, and it's just a matter of showing up every day and every day, like if you get smashed every day, you're still learning even though you don't know what you're learning, your body is learning, something's happening. And it's not always um, a, uh, what's the word where you, it's not like, you know, what's going on. Like I tell people, I felt like, yeah, you're not consciously learning. You don't go, Oh, I learned this today. It's like, no, I just got my ass kicked today. And in that there's stuff going on that you aren't aware of. There's stuff in your, I don't know that, it changes who you are. It changes your understanding. And I, you know, like, and so like, like at at, at a very simple level, like when I tell people, like when they're coming in and they're trying to understand a move that a teacher is teaching. um, And it's like, dude, you're not going to understand it. And this is already the third version or whatever. Just do it like twister. Don't try to understand it here. Right foot here, left foot here do this left foot. You just repeat it. You're not going to understand it. Your body's not going to make sense of it. People expect their body to make sense of everything that they try. Not when you start, you know, like that's why they call training. You have to keep training and training and training. And you know, the first time you learn a move, you just do that. It makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. My body, it's awkward. Six months later, the teacher teaches it again. You forgot that you've learned this move once mm-hmm. before, but it, somehow it feels pretty like that feels really good to me. That feels comfortable. It's like, yeah, because you've already done it before, even though you don't remember it. Right. So it, it, it's like this idea that you have to understand everything before you understand and can do everything doesn't happen. It's just, it's, it just keeps building. So that's why like after 20 years, I can still learn details on a arm bar, little things here and there, little things of things that I already know. You're always finding new things, finding new things, which is what is the beauty of it, right? Like after how many years, it's like, it's still evolving and changing and there's always discovery and learning. It's like, oh man, look what this new thing my body did. Like, I didn't even think about it. My body just did it. That was fucking cool. Oops, sorry. Um, And and, and, and sometimes you're like, what was that? You know, you ask your partner, you're like, that was really cool. What did I just do? Because your body has absorbed things. You never even thought about it, but your body knows these things. And those are those things that it's learning when you're not aware that you're learning. Does that make sense? Is that weird? No, absolutely. I listen. I remember this is when I was a white belt. I remember, you know, one of my coaches, one of my instructors just keeps always kept telling me, just show up. That was his answer to everything. And I, I was one of those annoying students who asked million questions Thank God there always, was no Instagram. There was then. always questioning. Everything. I was like, literally, I was like, but what if? But, 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 but what if? What about? The? Always. Okay. I was really annoying. And he always told me, just show up. Just show up. And I was really frustrated about this. This went on for months. Just show up. Who cares? Just show up. Just show up. And I completely forgot about this until now. But the one other time that this really came to my mind, it was decade later. I'm a black belt, and and my, one of my students now literally does the same thing. And my answer is, just show up. And then it hit me like a brick in my head. Oh, I was that guy. Oh yes, <laughs> just show up. <laughs> just show up. Things get easier. Just show up. Just do it. Anyway, that's my story. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I definitely think yeah. you know, like as you progress, then you can start targeting things and being coming conscious of things. But, but yeah, for a long time, it, it is just show up and your body 
The learning yeah. happens. You adapt. You adapt. Listen, I want to pivot this into a little bit of your competition. Um, you, you, you train, I listened to another interview with you and you train, you know, twice a week. You mentioned it yourself just now, twice a week in the very beginning. You're very consistent. You 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 just show up, right? And and then I believe what six or eight months into it, you do um Pan Ams. Is that am I correct on this? Um, I think it was eight or nine months in because I I wait. So I did my first tournament at six months. I did, I did Pan Ams when I was a blue belt. So it must've been, I got my belt like at nine, around nine months. So okay. it must've been like a, not what, like a year and a half in or something okay. like that. So, and, and, and you face who? Uh, in the semifinal, <laughs> I, I face Kira Gracie. Do you know who Kira is? <laughs> no. <laughs> was, that's probably bring, a good thing, right? I bring this up for two reasons. Why? First, back then, you know, again, saturation of female and the competition for female is significantly smaller than it is today. But, you know, she she's one of those big personalities that really stands out and built for what jiu-jitsu for females is today, right? I mean, she really created a foundation, right? And you have the opportunity to compete against her as your first Pan Ams. I what? have no idea. Like, <laughs> I did my first tournament. I did a couple of tournaments. And then, you know, some people, like, the, the, the women's team was like, come on, come with us to Florida for Pans. And I'm like, Pan Ams. And I, I appreciate that you said Pan Ams because that's what it was. And uh, I have no idea. Like, I, it's the same. Like, I, I don't look that far ahead because then it would be daunting, you know? And, uh, you know, what if I said like, oh, well, we'll never do Abu Dhabi as women, you know? It's like, I was just like one step in front of the other. That's life. You know, opportunities come up. They're like, come with us. I'm like, okay. And I sign up and I go in and, and yeah, I, I compete against Kira. and. um what was the question? <laughs> I just I was wondering, like, what what's your feeling looking in a retrospect now? Because I mean, competing on with those individuals, not only her particularly, but all the women that you have competed, you know, you are essentially creating a path for all the ladies who are competing today or want to compete today, right? What's your feeling on that? Looking in a retrospect, you know, decade or two backwards. Uh, in retrospect, it's very different from the experience that it was. So. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, now it's like, even just in how you phrased it, like you were building this, you were a part of this, of the growth of that, of the sport and women competing. Um, when I was coming up, a lot of times people would say, oh, you should teach a women's class or you should do this. And it was about women and women and women. I'm like, I just want to compete. I just want to train and compete. I'm not doing this to help other people. I'm doing this because I enjoy love. I love this sport. Like I want to do this sport and all my energy was focused at that. You know, it's like I show up to class, I train, I go compete. And um, it was just such a very different environment back then. You know, there were other women that were doing it ahead of me, alongside of me, behind me, you know? So I didn't feel like, there, there was no awareness of doing, doing anything different or bigger than what it was. It was just, I'm going to go compete. Who wants to go? Like, let's go guys, you know? And I, it was all the guys, you know, like which guys are going to come with me to the tournament and who was going to compete and who was going to help me, you know, be in my corner. How, um, how was your training for these things? And I'm not even talking about the Pan Ams, the first, like the early on, but I'm talking about the, the little bit more professional, you know, ADCC and other things. How was your training during that time? Because still, even at that point, was it 2006, seven, eight, yeah. somewhere around there, right? Yeah. I mean, even then, training partners, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but finding training partners that you will be competing with, it's probably hard. Yeah. Well, you never have the perfect situation regardless. Um, I. At that time, I think, you know, having grown up as a gymnast and lifting weights when I was like 10 years old and doing interval sprints when I was at that time, right? Like I was uh, pretty involved in sports. So now I'm like 38 years old, 39 years old, 37, and I'm getting ready and getting more involved in this very physically intense sport it only makes sense to me to start, you know, I would do conditioning. I would go and run stairs at the stadium and do, do, do all that stuff. So I was 
I, I don't know if a lot of people and if a lot of women, especially at that time, were training as athletes. And I was. And I think that definitely gave me an advantage um, to negate my age at that time, too. And a lot of the girls were much younger than me that I was competing against and eventually grew into being adults uh, later and champions. But I, I always, uh, you know, like it just made sense to me. It's like, well, if I want to have better cardio, if I want to have better strength, I need to go work out outside of training on the mat. And so I was doing that. And then I had, uh, some training partners and friends from different places that were all probably under 150 pounds. So, um, well, during the week when I would go to class, you know, Jean-Jacques would always just, you know, Hey, go with her, take off your gi. If it was no gi, take off your gi top, go with her. So he would always make sure I had like the smaller guys to go with. So 150, 140, 160 pounds or guys that he knew at least would be technical and wouldn't hurt me. So I could get my rounds in there. And then like on the weekends, I would get together with other friends that were all small from other places that I knew and we would go train and then I would do additional conditioning. And I know like before uh, ADCC and during that time, you know, I was monitoring my um, diet, all that stuff. And I had a strength and conditioning coach that was helping me at the time. And I would do rounds with my buddies. Like I would do a round and while they were doing, I would get a fresh guy each round. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there'd be like a minute rest and I'd be doing burpees or kettlebell swings or something between that. And so I was just figuring out all this conditioning stuff to push myself and to push my system um, and my mind mostly my mind, um, in training, you know, just figuring it, that out. I also had a sports psychologist, um, that was really helpful. That made a big difference in, in my progression. Do you think that physical training, as you describe it, is important for anybody just in general? I'm not even talking about females, but just in general, do you think that is part of the recipe to success when it comes to competition? I think everybody's different. I think now because of what my, what I've gone through and now I, you know, I compete in masters, but because of my health and because of what, what has happened to me, I don't do that anymore. I know that there are definitely people at the highest level that I think most of them probably are very serious athletes at this time in our history of jujitsu. But then you also had people like Marcella Garcia that never, all he did was jujitsu. Right. So I think you have to figure out what works for you. I, I think at the highest level. Yeah. I think you have to train as an athlete for sure. Um, well, things have evolved since, you know, you have competed yeah. on that. I'm talking about the ADCC. I mean, the sport is by far more physical, um, it, it, it even turns into more professional, not more. It is professional sport. They, the athletes actually yeah. get paid yeah. for this, right? Yeah. So the stakes are higher. They, yes. they are able to actually not have a second job. They can actually devote the, the funds into their professional training, hire people who can actually get them where they need to be, be with the goal of winning these, these tournaments, right? Yes. I've got a question. You talked just, you touched on it briefly. Um, you know, you've had back issues, uh, health issues, where you took a big chunk of time off. And mm -hmm. I want to know what that process was like when you when you had to make that hard decision. And then after that, you know, here you are again competing uh, in the mm -hmm. Masters, right? So how, can you walk us through that a little bit? And, you know, you don't have to get into the specifics, but just the decision-making and the process to go from, I've got to give this up, to, no, I'm going back. Um. Yeah, it's been quite a wild ride. Um, so I, I I got sick and with uh, EBV, basically I had mono that didn't go away. And so I had a lot of fatigue issues and I tried to condition it out of my body. I tried to do different things. So for five years, I didn't really train. I was teaching and not really actively training. I would roll maybe once every six months. Um probably get hurt. And like, literally I lost all my flexibility. I, I, but I was still teaching full-time at a gym and privates, but I like the body kind of shut down. And I, I, I think 
um, from the EBV, you know, I think that was from being so run down with all the competition and everything. And, and um, I, I think in my case, I, I, I don't regret it mm-hmm. and it was worth it for me. And so that for those five years, I, I, I kind of just struggled through that, trying different ways to fix and heal my body. And I wasn't able to find it. So I decided that I was really unhappy trying to teach and be in an environment that I couldn't fully participate in. And I couldn't participate in the way that it made me most happy, which was rolling and training. So I decided um, I had a private student and we went to Hawaii and I had decided that after I came back from that trip with her, that I was going to start a new life because it was just so frustrating to be around all, you know, in, in this gym every day and still not be able to participate, learn, grow, discover things, be, have that freedom to be on the mat. And so I decided that I would start a new life and Unfortunately for me, that didn't work out. <laughs> um, I went to Hawaii and uh, my friend told me about um, an algae supplement that would help. And within two days, I felt better. And I flew back and walked into Jean-Jacques Academy, which I hadn't been in for a few years. And I said, I would like to come back. And I signed up for Master's Worlds a week and a half later. And uh, I trained a few times and I went back and competed. and. Um, I, I, it's, it's been weird because it's almost like, you know, I kind of, uh, I can like to, I was about to sign the divorce. Right. Mm -hmm. And then didn't go through with it and came back and fell in love with jujitsu even more than I had loved it in the first place, you know? So it's, it's been pretty crazy. And now now rolling for me, I don't, this, this is the thing that's changed too is, well, I mean, I've changed a lot, right? Like the, the struggle with the fatigue and all that stuff, like I had to change my life. And I think it happens with a lot of people, especially at a certain age when you you start having health issues or you see people around you having health issues or passing away having cancer, having all these things. And, you know, it's sort of like um, they used to call it a midlife crisis in some sense, which I really think is just a moment in time where you go, wow, like, okay, I lived half of my life and I have the next half ahead of me. And all these signs are telling me that maybe the way that I'm doing certain things isn't serving me and isn't going to help me in the next half. Like the things that I needed for that first half are different from the things I'm going to have to need and do for the second half. And how do I heed these wake up calls to change my life, to be better that I can have this amazing second half. And I don't know that we've had the longevity in the past history that we have that now you know like like when we were young it was like man 40 was old oh yeah right and then 50 was old and then now you have betty at 60 whatever getting her black belt and out there competing and i don't know is 90 the new 30 like like it's so different right and i'm like i'm 54 right now like good lord I don't feel 54 and imagining my mom at 54, like what was she doing versus what I'm doing? And how do we start taking care of ourselves in a different way? Whether that's the stress of your life, your job, your relationships, the food you're eating, the exercise you're doing, all of these things, your stress level, I think is a huge part of, of, what I had to learn. And most of it was how do I, you you can't change the world, 
and you can change how you respond, you know, like what I'm saying is nothing new. And for me to really have to learn to control the parts of my environment that I can. So that meant getting rid of situations and things that were not serving me and um, trying to get out of patterns and comfortable situations, which may have been comfortable in their um, negative ways. Right. Like repeating negative patterns because they're comfortable. Actually, not, not I'm not saying this at all, but it, like it goes back to what we were talking about, like like being in an abusive relationship. I'm not saying I was in one, but I'm just saying, like, how do you change all these patterns that may not be healthy, but they're comfortable? Right. And that's why we keep repeating them because they're comfortable. So how do we change those? And then we open to the possibility of more positive, better, greater things in our life. And so making those changes and how much the world opens up, right? Yeah. I don't know what, what the difference is. And, um, I think, you know, I look at my, my parents' generation and it was like, when they got to a certain age, you accepted that things were supposed to be over. Like this is your, you, you raised your kids and now it's you're kind of, you know, and it, that seemed to be more mainstream. And now for people our age, it's like, you know, I, I, I got a lot more living to do. I got other things I need to do. And I think that that, that reflection that you had and, and that a lot of others have at this age is, um, you know, I'm not going to be that my parents, I'm not going to sit down. You know, it goes back to maybe what you said in the very beginning about don't go home first. You know, I know if I go home, none of my errands are getting run. Right. I'm not going to go back out to the gym or whatever. Um, and I, so I don't know if it's a generational thing. I don't know where it came from. Um, but I do see it now more than ever with people that they're like, no, I got this. The second half is where I'm going to start living. Well, could it be because the opportunities didn't exist for the previous generations? Like, I don't, I don't envision my dad doing jujitsu in his thirties, let alone his sixties. Like, I just don't. There's no way. Yeah. But I think today, other opportunities. well, imagine your mom doing it. I know, right? I know, I know, right? I just had a visual of mom in a gi. I, I, I don't know, I don't know about that one. But, but listen, today we have 50, 60, 70 year olds literally coming on the mat. Our oldest students, I don't know, hey, shout out to Zook, but I don't know, he's up there. I mean, he, you know, and, and Steve and many others. I mean, Gary's like 95. Well, yep, I'm according to your comments, he's 40 only. So, you know, it, 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 I think that one, we are smarter about life in general. Two, I think we have more opportunities. Even training jujitsu 20 years ago for 40 year old was impossible. Yeah. I remember walking into Jiu-Jitsu Academy way back 20 years ago, and luckily I was 20 some, but like you were getting destroyed. Like it was a fighting gym. It was fight. It was not jujitsu. It was fighting. It was surviving. And if you didn't want to put up with it, you mentioned that earlier. If you didn't want to put up with it, you quit. Today, you have the opportunity of coming into family friendly um, academies, exploring jujitsu. It's slightly different. Uh, it, it, I think, you know, we have these unique. Things presenting it, and it's not only jujitsu. I mean, you can go skydiving if you want. I mean, you know. Well, it's anything. I think it's just it don't 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 go home. Don't. I mean, <laughs> listen. By the way, that's, I'm gonna, that's I'm tell, the takeaway today. I'm, don't go home. Don't go home. I'm, I'm telling. I'm telling all my students. Yeah. Okay? Let me. What I have time, to text Margaret time, right now. What time did you finish your work? Eleven. Oh, you have only six more hours. You can hang out in front of the academy yeah. and watch Lakers. You fine. You fine. I'll see you in the class. Yeah. All, you, all you need is your phone. <laughs> like no one has that ex- an excuse, you know. Absolutely. Listen, uh, you know, I, I keep saying this every episode, but it's 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 very true. The worst part about this show is that it has to come to the end at some point. So before we wrap this up. Um, we start doing this this year where a person sitting in your seat, previous episode, asked a question, not knowing who's going to be sitting right now. So yeah. we have we have a question. Gary's going to take a lead on this, but it's always creating a very, very interesting end to the episode and uh, kind of wraps up the conversation. Yeah. So this question actually comes from Kenny Florian, uh, and it is, what is the most important? Oh, yeah. yeah, Kenny's awesome, man. Um, what is the most important thing jujitsu has taught you? 
gratitude. Nice. Elaborate. Yeah. Why? Why that? Um, well, as I was saying um, earlier, like we were just talking about it, like I almost quit jujitsu. And when I came back, uh, um, I realized how much joy rolling on the mat, how much joy I got out of rolling on the mat. And I love rolling. It is, um, it's just like the, the greatest experience in life, I think. And, um, when I was training earlier and competing and coming up, um, I didn't get to experience that joy in the same way. And so walking away from it, almost not coming back and then coming back to it made me appreciate it. And that every time I'm on the mat now, I have gratitude for all the people there for everything that jujitsu has given me. And, and every time I get to roll and thinking like that might be the last time I get to do that for whatever reason, whether it, you know, in our world, there's so many crazy things happening or, you know, like I already went through having, not having that. Right. And so to have that back in my life and to have that joy again. Yeah. Fantastic. On that beautiful thought. Um, if anybody wants to connect with you on the more personal level, are you available on social media? Where can, where, where can, where can anybody find you as a follow-up to this conversation? Um, he's most easily on Instagram. Um, I have two accounts there, uh, Felicia O and F L A U art of Felicia O. Um, and I, I just want to say that, like, it's really cool that Kenny Florian asked me that because, you know, they call him Ken Flo. Well, my initials are FLO as well. <laughs> and actually, someone once messaged me thinking I was Kenny. And it's like, <laughs> oh, because I had my name, like, it was Flo something or whatever. And then they thought I was Kenny. So that was kind of funny. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook. I'm not on there as much. I, I have an account that I check on. But yeah, just on Instagram, hit me up anytime. Absolutely. Wonderful. And we'll make sure to include all the links, including to um um to your organization in the show notes of this episode so if you guys are interested in connecting with felicia feel free to do that find her uh, what a brilliant stories what a brilliant um experiences that you've shared with us today we appreciate you being here and taking the time out of your day to really share some of the wisdom because that's literally what it is um gary yeah i, I appreciate you so much thank you for your time um and uh if you our teaching seminars and you come through this way, get a hold of Thomas for sure. We, I think that would be amazing uh, to pack the mats. That would be f fantastic. So Absolutely. thank you so much for doing this. We'll see you around. All right. Peace. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to raw radio. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave us a review and help us make the show even more amazing for future episodes. Check out our website and follow us on all major podcast platforms. Take care.